Have you ever been in a business or even life situation where you realize you pivoted too quickly? You gave up on the process and you changed course and you realize looking back that, oh, if I had only stayed doing what I was doing, I'd be that much further ahead. Happens to me more than I want to admit. Or sometimes there's situations where we keep on the same course way too long and we lose the momentum that we had at the beginning because at one point on the journey, we should have pivoted a little bit or at least adjusted the sail slightly to change direction a little bit or sometimes just a whole, whole new direction. That's our topic today on our Talents with TAP. We are going to talk about when to pivot and when to stay the course and some tips and tools to help you figure out that decision, that really hard decision when that situation arises. Welcome to the Navigating Your Leadership podcast, where we are changing the wave of the future. Like it or not, the world has changed. And as an exceptional leader, you have to change with it or risk being left behind. Hi, I'm your host, Sherry Miter. I'm here to help you navigate this new leadership style. Inside the podcast, you'll discover what your team really wants and needs from you, how to tap into your God-given talents, how to increase your productivity with a strengths-based team, and how to realign with your North Star to truly enjoy your work and your life. This podcast will inspire and empower you today so you can elevate your influence into the future. If you're ready to step out of your comfort zone, then untie those dock lines and jump on board as we begin navigating your leadership. Welcome to the next edition of Navigating Your Leadership Podcast. This is your host, Sherry Miter, and this is one of our talents on tap where Tom, my husband, and I have conversations about talents, about leadership, and we do it while enjoying a beer from one of our local favorite breweries. So today we are going to be talking about knowing when to pivot and knowing when to stay the course and when it's a good time to do either or. So Tom, before we jump into our topic, do you want to say hello and share what's on tap today? All right. Absolutely. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Talents on Tap. This is my favorite show because I get to drink while I talk. Can't, can't beat that. So today, I'm very excited for two reasons. Number one is we're going to talk about a really cool subject, something that Sherry and I talk about often in uh, specifically her business and sometimes in my line of work. And when it's time to stay the course, when it's time to pivot, change direction. And uh, we're going to talk extensively about that. And I'm really excited about that. But first, we have to talk about the beer. And ladies and gentlemen, this is my day, my favorite of all beers of all time, right from here in good old Troy, New York, from Brown's Brewery. We're going to talk about Nigel, New England style IPA, which is what Sherry's drinking because I'm not a huge IPA guy. And my favorite of all beers Brown's Cherry Raspberry Ale, when what has been officially shortened in name to Just Plain Cherry Raz. So Sherry's drinking a New England-style IPA that Brown's offers for the summer months, and it's named after one of their awesome employees, Nigel, who is one of their chefs. The beer is a hazy gold, smooth and sweet, 
loaded with flavors of tangerine, juicy ripe pear, and pineapple with just that little bit of hoppiness that you'll find in an IPA. Chef Nigel's always been somehow able to pack more flavor in a dish than Chuck Norris packs in his punch, <laughs> and Nigel IPA speaks to that. Uh, it's brewed with Citra, El Dorado, and Tonatilla hops with layers of complexity that peel off as the glass or can is drained, and we hope Nigel will approve. <laughs> great beer. It pairs well with uh, anything grilled, and it's just a great beer. But now getting into what I consider the best beer brewed of all time, Brown's Cherry Rest. It started being brewed about three decades ago. This beer is almost 30 years old now. And this beer strikes a very positive chord. It was so well received back in the day that the public's name for it, Cherry Raz, stuck as the official name. And that's taking ownership of a beer. The beer is a unique, undefined, amber, strong ale with a rich fruit forward tone. Cherry Raz is a gateway into craft beer for some and a go-to staple for others. And it is definitely my go-to staple. When you go to Browns and Troy, which I highly recommend, and you get a Cherry Raz on tap, they're actually going to put a little cherry, a, a cherry in it, and maybe just a touch of cherry juice to give it just a little bit more sweetness. I warn you, though, if you have more than one, call Uber. Uh, it's very fairly high in alcohol, but it's well worth the bus. So and with that, uh, we're going to say cheers, and we're going to jump right into it. Cheers. Just awesome. Mm -mm. So when to pivot, <laughs> and before we hit the, the play button here, you luckily did not hear our singing because it made me think about the old Kenny Rogers song, no when to hold them, hold, when, hold to them when no when to fold them and no when to run. And it's kind of the same thing. It's knowing as a leader when to pivot, when to stay the course, and how do you work that through? How do you learn to know when to do all of that? And I'm going to be honest, we don't have all the answers. Like we never claim to have the answers. But what we will share today is kind of our thoughts on it, some things to look at, some things to be careful of. And then we do have five tips we'll close with today. And as we were talking about this topic, usually it's as we're driving around in the truck or going for our walks, these, these topics pop up in our head based on real life situations that we're going through. And Tom started thinking about like a, the sailing analogy of knowing, you know, basically when to tack, when not to tack, when to stay the course. And why don't you kick it off, Tom, with sharing about that? Because I think the the sailboat analogy just really sets the stage for what we're going to talk about. Sure. <clears throat> so in any business, whether it's sales, firefighting, sailing in an as an athletic endeavor, there comes a time when you have to decide whether the direction you're going, staying the course, as we say, is what you should continue to do, or if it's time to pivot, or in sailing terms, tack and go in a different direction. So a lot of times you get going in what, whatever business you may be in, and you're moving along, you're, you're sailing along, and uh, you've got some good wind, you got, you got the boats moving along, she's sailing on her lines, as they say, and you're having a great time. But you know, uh, especially if you're sailing on a lake, you're getting towards the shoreline, and sooner or later, you're going to have to tack. So the mistake that I've made many times is I'm feeling good about what the boat's doing, I'm going, I'm going, I'm going. And I'm not listening to my crew who is telling me <laughs> it's time to tack. It's time to turn. Crew and being I'm like, his wife. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Stay the course. We're moving right along. Well, lo and behold, 
Next thing I know, because I'm not paying attention, I'm not listening to my crew, I'm not listening to my team, I'm not listening to their judgment, I get too close to shore and I lose the wind. Maybe I'm in a little bit of a cove, a little bit of a bay. Now the wind is going over the treetops and going over my boat and missing my sails. The next thing I know, I'm in flat water. Now it doesn't matter if I turn and I pivot. I'm just sitting there. Now I've got to get back to the wind. I've got to find a way back to start moving again. So the whole point of this is how do you stay the course or when should you stay the course and when should you pivot in business and in life? And that's what we're going to talk about more today. And I want to stay on the sailing analogy a few more minutes because I really want people, even if you're not a sailor, to really capture this. Like what happens when, you know, you were out on that lake and the sailboat is just going in a great direction and the, you know, it's perfect. Or maybe we're even up to seven knots, which for a sailboat's pretty good. You know, we're maybe sometimes we're sailing along with other friends of ours on their, they're on their boat. We're on our boat. We're kind of side by side. And then when we make that, that bad move and we don't pivot quick enough, like Tom said, you, you lose the wind, you get stuck. So when you turn, you've totally lost your momentum. And next thing you know, the friends are way up the lake. This has happened to us. And they're laughing at you. <laughs> they're laughing at you. We're mad. We're, we don't normally fight too much, but no. a little, you know, a little testy, a little testy <laughs> with each other. And wondering why can't we keep up with them? Because now they're so far ahead of us. And what happened to our momentum? And we were having so much fun. What happened? And that's what happens with business sometimes. Absolutely. All of a sudden, you've stayed the course too long. Your competitors have pivoted. They're doing well. You didn't. And now you're stuck. Or is it the other way around? where they stay the course, whatever direction you were moving finally paid off, but you pivoted too early and went in a different direction, and now you're stuck, and they're still staying the course, and they're still moving along. So if you think about it as we go on, kind of think of the sailing term. Is it time to pivot? Is it time to tack? Is it time to turn? Is it Should we stay the course? And uh, we're going to talk about some of the things that you need, the signs that you should read. And the first and the most important is your crew, mm -hmm. your team, whether it's in business or in an athletic endeavor, in the fire department, your team has to count and their opinion and their thoughts matter. And they may be better. And, you know, sticking with the sailing analogy, I'm thinking about we have a friend, shout out to Pete Schwan, who... I just think is one of the best tacticians out there. Like he is so good at knowing that is his expertise of knowing when is it time to tack and when is, when do you need to wait a little bit longer? And it's a very tricky thing to know that, that sometimes like, wait, are we too soon? Are we not soon enough? Like it's very, very, you know, tricky. Mm -hmm. So when you know you have somebody, like if, if we happen to be sailing with him on our boat, I 110% will leave it up to him to decide because I know that is his gift. That is his skill. Like that's what he's so good at. So in that vein, in business, any kind of business, maybe you know somebody like that who you know they're pretty much an expert in their field 
Are you taking advantage of that when you're deciding whether you're moving in the right direction or whether it's time to pivot? Are you contacting that person that you trust, that mentor, that teacher, that leader that is whose heart is in the right place and is looking to help you move forward? Are you contacting that person? Mm-hmm. Are you talking to that person about what you they think you should be doing? Are you getting those feelers out there, trying to figure out what's going on? Are you going to make a hasty decision that you're going to regret? You got to figure it all out and you've got to talk to everyone. Mm-hmm. Well, not necessarily everyone, but the right person. The right people. <laughs> the everyone right that's people. the right person. The right people. And they may be on your team. And They should be on your team. Here's the thing, because our talents meaning our strengths from Clifton Strengths, of course, play in here so much because I know I lead with high strategic. I am so guilty, and we'll talk about that in a minute, of changing too quickly. And I would venture to guess somebody with high competition, maybe somebody with high input, they may also be guilty of wanting to change too quickly. Whereas somebody with high consistency which Tom has, or high harmony or high deliberative, they may be too slow to change the course. And it's so important to know who we are so that we can surround, like, I know I'm too quick to come up with new ideas. I know that about myself. That is true. (laughs) Sherry and I have a lot of discussions where her strategic mind is constantly turning And she will be talking about moving business in a certain direction one day and I'm seeing it and I'm getting it and I'm liking what I'm hearing. And then a few days later, she's pivoted and there was a little bit of frustration in me in that, but you didn't give this idea time to take root. You didn't stay the course and give this idea time to move forward and see where it leads you. And then we can reevaluate and see if then it's time to pivot if it didn't move forward, this idea. And then and then you pivot. But that's, that's what Sherry's guilty of, is maybe pivoting too quickly. Me, on the other hand, I am a routine person to a fault. I will stay the course until I just plain can't stay, stay the course any longer. And <clears throat> there are times when I look back at a situation, no matter what it may be, and think to myself, I should have changed course earlier and nothing's worse than the regret of not listening to your team and not changing course when they advised you to do that. And more importantly, is your team or does your team have the freedom to come to you and say, we need to think about pivoting. We need to think about making a change. And do you trust them to help you do that? Do you trust them to make a decision that may cause the whole, a, a huge shift in the direction your team is going? Those are very important things. And I think we're going to get into that a little bit more, but I think that's the gist in my mind of our conversation today is your team and trusting them and trusting them to know when it's time to stay the course or when it's time to pivot. Mm-hmm. And that they trust you enough that they can be brutally honest. Brutal. And I know we just had this conversation because I totally, like Tom just shared, I am so guilty of coming up with ideas. I mean, that's what strategic brains do. We we love to create ideas. She's an idea girl. I am. <laughs> I love the newness of an idea. And, and sometimes it comes out of desperation, I will admit. 
sometimes it comes out of it really is a great idea. And it's it's learning how to um, navigate that and figure out like, mm, which is the best idea, which is not a good idea. But here's what I also know. And I, I could see this happen when I was leading a team with direct sales. And, and you may recognize this yourself. If you have high command or high self-assurance, you know, some of us are really good at selling our ideas to our team even. And we can be so convincing to our team that this is a great idea that they're afraid to tell us it's not. And that's really where that trust factor has to play in because your team has to know that, and and this is true, and Tom and I were just talking about this, is I want somebody in my life that is okay saying, Sherry, no, that is a bad idea. Don't do it. And just as importantly, being the leader that can accept that negative feedback and not get defensive and not get like frustrated and decide, well, we're just going to go in the direction I wanted to go anyway. That is what a great mark of a great leader to be able to say to your team, I want your negative feedback. Mm -hmm. I want to hear uh, what you've got to say, even if it's not what I like. It reminds me of, there used to be the show, and I'm sure many people have heard of it, called The West Wing with Martin Sheen and a bunch of great actors. And at one point in the show, they hire a, uh, they're, they're a Democratic administration, they hire a Republican lawyer to uh, work within their administration. And she can't believe it. And the, uh, the chief this of staff- This is not a political show, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> but the chief, one of these things that just, you know, every now and again, there's something for a TV show that sticks with me, if, if it really makes sense. And the chief of staff of the president of the United States says to this young lady, the president of the United States likes smart people that don't agree with him. Mm. And he's asking you to serve. That's who you want on your team. People that are smart, that are not necessarily going to agree with you and will push back so that no matter what happens in the end, your team is moving in the right direction, whether it's staying the course or pivoting. And those are the people you want on your team. And I, I always remember that line in that television show. And I'm like, wow, that just makes so much sense. Would it be great if the rest of the world thought that way? Mm-hmm. And that's such a good point because I think sometimes, and I see this in some of the teams I've led or some of the teams I've worked with, is we tend to hire or recruit people who think like we do. Like-minded individuals. Yes. Not always the best thing. Totally not the best thing. Never the best thing. You want people who will question you, who will push back, but that you've created that trust factor. That's the bottom line. There has to be a level of so much trust amongst the team that you can have an open conversation. You can debate things. You can, you know, have the whiteboard up and put down all the ideas and cross off ideas and nobody leaves with a hurt feeling, but you leave with the best ideas to one even start with, because sometimes if you start with the best idea, you may not have to worry about the pivot and, you know, stay in the course idea at all because you you took your time wondering, should I even 
begin this thing, Mm -hmm. begin this idea. And again, especially if you have people or you lead with strategic or input or one of those themes that we're always having new ideas that we love, they're not all good ideas. I don't know that that's true. Sherry's ideas are always perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That just reminds me of I have a boss that uh, does something like that in a a very positive manner. He will come out with uh, some new not necessarily a directive, but an idea for what might be a directive down the road. And he will bring it down to my office and he will say, poke holes in this. Tell me what's wrong with this. That's a mark of a great leader that trusts his people to say, hey, tell me what's wrong with this. Tell me why we should change change direction. Tell me why we should stay in the direction we're in. And I think what we're leading to here is, if you're catching the theme that we're kind of leading to is, it's all about your team. It's not about you. Mm -hmm. It's about your team. And you have to pick the right team. You have to put your team in a position where they're using their natural strengths and talents to thrive, move your company, your business, whatever, in the right direction. And you have to trust them. And when they tell you that something's not working or when you don't see something as working and they're telling you, no, hang on, it is working. You have to trust that. Mm-hmm. And I know when we were walking earlier, you kind of mentioned a scenario that like in the yeah. fire company that you've. Yes. And, yes. and even if you're not in the fire service, you can probably put this in relationship to a business situation. Absolutely. So two, two things. First of all, I used to have a boss. And he's no longer with us. He's he's retired. And he's he still was, alive. He's still alive. He's just retired. <laughs> he's with us on and Earth. He was not. very, very, very quick to change directions. And in the fire service, so we would be making what we would call an offensive attack. Guys would be inside the burning building, putting the fire out, saving lives and property like they're supposed to, what they signed the oath to do. And he would quickly, in his mind, see something that didn't seem right and he would change direction. He would back everybody out and go to a defensive operation and more or less right off that burning building and, and not really save a whole bunch of property. And that was constantly a topic of conversation within our fire department was, you know, did he, did he pull us out too soon? Did he, cha- did he pivot too soon? Whereas now, I, I like to think I learned from that and what I have been, I wouldn't say I've been accused of staying the course too long, but I like to stay the course and I will blow my own horn here a little bit because I do trust my team. I trust my officers and we stay the course and I let my guys do their job and they can make me look really good or they can make me look really bad. And when you're thinking about pivoting or in my business going from an offensive to a defensive operation, and you don't trust your officers to say, hang on a minute, we're making progress, we should stay the course, or vice versa, you think you should stay the course from your position, and they're like, this isn't working, we need to change direction and do something different. You have to trust those people. You have to do that. You want them to trust you, Well, that's a two-way street. You want everybody to trust you to make the right decisions in your business, but are you trusting your team to make the right decisions? Because if you're not trusting them, in the end, it's all going to go down the tubes. Everybody has to trust everybody. So how do you build that trust? Well, first of all, I think you put people, you never put, you try to never put people in a position to fail. 
And that's a term that I learned a long time ago in the military is don't put people in a position to fail. If you have someone that is not trained to the level that they need to be trained to be, to be in a certain position that they're in, then don't put them there yet. You know, when you're in a city fire department, you have to deal with union issues and things like that. But we, we do work around that and, and end up putting people in the proper positions. That's the first thing is you have to put people in. You can't you have to not put people in a position where they're going to fail. And guess where you find that out from strengths, their strengths and talents. You look at their natural strengths and talents. They look at their natural strengths and talents. And then you can have an honest conversation about what position in your business they should be in. That's the first thing. The second thing is once you make that decision, you have to let them thrive. You have to let them make decisions. You have to let them fail. You have to let them make decisions that aren't going in the end to be the right decision. And then you sit and you be adults and a good leader and you talk about what went right, what went wrong, what they should do in the future, and then let them go again. Let them fly. Let them do their thing, as we say. No matter what business you're in, if you do not trust your team to make good decisions, if you do not expect your team to make decisions, doesn't matter whether you pivot or stay the course, you're still not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. And I would add to that, too, that in that position, the way they approach it based on their own natural talents and strengths may look different than what you think as the leader, how it should be approached. But if the results are there and the job is accomplished, to be OK with if they take, you know, path A, and you normally go on B, as long as the outcome is acceptable, be okay with that too. Absolutely. I think what, in my my mind, I think what Sherry's trying to say there is, so what you think is the way you should go is one way. And what they think is the direction your, your company should go is another does it really matter as long as the finish line is the same finish line? Mm-hmm. Let them use their natural strengths and talents to thrive and be successful, even if it's not the way you would have done it. Now, you can't do that in every situation. No. But if you have conversations and good communication before a situation happens so that you know which way they're going to go and the way they're going to go falls within accepted principles, things that have to be done, no matter what business you're talking about, let them go. Let them go. And have those conversations before there's an issue. And if an issue does come up, have conversations afterwards, not accusations. Have conversations. Mm -hmm. That makes a huge difference. Everyone is different. Everyone brings something to the team. And the bottom line is you want your team to thrive. You want them to feel like they're part of something bigger than themselves, no matter what it is. They want to be part of something bigger than themselves. And we have to find a way to get them there. I like that. Have conversations, not accusations. Mm-hmm. That may be our quote of the week. <laughs> so, um, I just came up with that. <laughs> that was good. That was good. <laughs> Must be the cherry res. To going back to um, knowing when to pivot, when to stay the course. Sometimes it starts with... <laughs> Are you even on the right path to begin with? And we can stop a lot of those decisions we have to make before we even begin the journey. Right. And again, it goes back to having that great team that maybe you need somebody. If you're a quick action taker, uh, maybe you have high activator, you just like to jump in and go. 
I would highly recommend you find somebody with high deliberative on your team. They will, and you both will, drive each other crazy. But you will save each other so much time, possibly money, in the long run. Because somebody with high activator wants to jump in and just go and do it and figure it out along the way, whereas somebody with high deliberative needs needs space. They need time to think it all through. Right. And if you could imagine creating a team, and it may be a team of two, it may be a team of three or four, or probably not more than five, six, definitely not more than 10, because then it gets just gets chaotic. But create a circle of trust <laughs> that team that you know each other's strengths and you know that, okay, here's all the ideas I came up with. Give it to that person with deliberative. Which ideas? Think on this. Take 48 hours. Which ideas should we even run with to begin with? Mm-hmm. That's going to help you navigate things so much smoother right from the get-go. Right. Imagine taking people with with like we'll just go with their top five, very very different top five uh, strengths and talents, and putting them in a room and saying, "Here's our goal. Here our goal is to sell. What is it? There was a movie years ago. Our goal is to sell widgets. Mm. That's our goal to make and widgets. sell widgets. All right. And the whole idea is to take people from different backgrounds with different strengths and talents, put them together, listen to everyone's ideas." about how you want to sell a bazillion widgets and then put everybody in a position where their natural strengths and talents are going to move you towards that goal. Imagine if every business did that, how far they would come. Mm -hmm. And that is where the wheels fall off the bus. We don't do that. We are so stuck in old fashioned lines of thinking about how to run a business. So imagine like I would just this quick, quick, uh, analogy, not really an analogy, but so again, I work in the fire service. Imagine if you took people from different walks of life that are in the fire service and you're coming up with a new standard operating procedure and you allowed everybody to have input. You didn't just come up with something that you thought was the best way to do it. You allowed everyone to have input and then you put your heads together and you trusted the process to come up with the standard operating procedure that was going to work that was going to benefit everybody. And the people that were involved in that decision-making had a, had a stake in the decision-making. How much would people thrive if they felt like they, they were part of the process? And that is, I think what we're getting to, right? Is that we want everybody to be part of the process. We want everybody to be able to say, Hey, let's stay the course. Or we want to not get upset when people say, maybe it's time to pivot. We want to trust our team. We want to work with the best team possible. And, and that is the bottom line in everything we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. Because as an individual, as a leader, and going back with that sailing analogy of when is it time to tack? You know, we're one person. We can only keep our eyes on a few things mm-hmm. where we need eyes on all things. We need eyes if we're out sailing. You know, somebody's got to look for the what what buoy are we at? You have to get the binoculars, look at the number, close up. Others have to look at the far off picture of where's the wind? Is it on the lake? Is it flat out there? All the things. There's so many things you have to be looking at. Somebody has to be paying attention to the sails. 
what are the sails doing? What are the little wind thingies? What are they called? Telltales. The telltales doing. You know, there's so many things to look at. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing with our business that some people are going to be better at that close up what's happening right now in this moment. Others are bigger, like the futuristic. They want to look at the big picture. And when you can have a team that's so well-rounded and knows their part to play in the decision-making, that's where your whole team will thrive. So so what you're saying (laughs) is if you have the right team and everybody's uh, opinion matters and everybody's opinion is taken into consideration and then a general consensus is formed on which direction we're going to go, you're going to thrive? Is that what you're saying? Yes. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) So any last thoughts? We're going to close it up with five five things you can do to kind of start really implementing that, knowing when to pivot, knowing when to stay the course. Mm -hmm. Any last minute thoughts you have, Tom, that you want to share before we... Again, and I think I've reiterated probably more than I should have in this conversation is... Trust is huge. Once you gain your team's trust and once they gain your trust, just go with that. Don't constantly be looking for a reason to not trust someone. That does happen often in, in many, many different facets of life. You know, we for some reason, this world in general, we just stop trusting each other. And it's not working. It's just plain not working. Have trust. Have a great team. Build a great team. Give them their responsibilities, make sure they work within their talents and strengths, and then trust them. Do not second guess them. So I have a question for you before we close this up, because I'm sure there's probably somebody listening right now who is thinking this to themselves. So what happens when they let you down? You've trusted them, but they let you down. Well, I think we, we started that kind of back with that uh, phrase that I said, you know, have conversations, not accusations. So conversations, you have to sit and you have to have honest conversations. You have to be honest with your subordinate, if you will. They have to be honest with you. And it has to be in an amicable atmosphere where they're not afraid to come and talk to you. Maybe they're, you know, they shouldn't be afraid for their job or they shouldn't be afraid that they're, you're going to change their responsibilities right off the bat. Your team has to know that when, when they let you down, that they, that you're going to have a conversation about it and you're going to talk about ways to not let you down or not let themselves down in the future. You're going to work on that. You're not just going to say, don't do that again, slam your fist on the desk and say, get out of my office. You you can't do that. You can't do that. It's not going to work. It's never worked. People will tell you that it's worked. It's never worked. What you've done is you've lost their trust. They've lost your trust and you've lost their trust. Conversations. Mm -hmm. Honest conversations. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, too, is making sure that in that conversation that they realize it was the situation that did not go well. It wasn't necessarily the person there. Right. People make judgment calls in certain situations right. and sometimes they're the wrong judgment call. It doesn't make they're gonna make and, they're going to make the wrong judgment call every time. And we all do it. Everybody does it. Everybody does it. We're all guilty Everybody of making it. poor decisions. Right. <laughs> and that's how we learn. You know, if you are afraid to make a decision. 
you're never going to move forward. That, you know, that's a, that's a huge truth right there. In, and especially in my line of work, I want the guys that I work with, I want them to make decisions. I want them to make, I want them to make the right decision, but I would m- rather they make a decision that's not the best decision than to make no decision at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can work around a decision-making process. What makes it tough in my line of work is when somebody doesn't make a decision at all, and now somebody else whose responsibility was to make a different decision has to make that decision for them. That's bad. Then that doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, you, you want people to make decisions. Right or wrong, you want people to make decisions. You want to give them the freedom and the opportunity and the responsibility to make decisions. Mm-hmm. And I'm just thinking, and I, I don't remember who it was that did this with their kids, some thought leader that I followed, that their kids were actually told they had to fail at something each day. And that built that muscle that, you know what, sometimes your decisions are not going to be the right decision. They built their but, armor. They built their armor. Right. Yeah. But they became, they knew that sometimes we fail forward to success. Right. They, things, things, they learn to let the failures roll off of them and move forward right. anyway. And that's extraordinarily important. That's a great right. point. Mm-hmm. So if you're a parent, that's a great lesson to do. Or even with your team, let them fail. Unless it's going to be like major life and death or major, you know, major implications. Of course, you want to have that guardian there to make sure it doesn't go crazy. But for the most part, if they can, let them fail at little things to build that trust factor and to build that like, it's okay that I failed. I still have a job. My boss still likes me. My boss still trusts me. And, you know, exude that to them. Let them know that, yes, you do still trust them. Yeah, that one was a bad mistake, but that's okay. We learned. We moved on. And next time, I'm going to trust you again to make a better decision, to make a better move. Right. Right. Absolutely. And, you know, again, we're trying to close here, but, you know, when you're when you're building a process or my line of work, when you're building an SOP, think, think it all through, get everybody's ideas. Again, we've talked about this already so that they know that their ideas count. That's extraordinarily important is, is when you're when you're developing a new project process, a new procedure, get everybody's input. You know, again, in, in the end, the leader has the as the I like to say this all the time. It's not so much about being in charge. As it is about being responsible. So your team helps you make the decision. And then the end result is you're responsible for the decision, the decision that you made as a team. And that's, I I can't emphasize that enough. That's, that's very, very important. So we're going to wrap this up and we have five tips. We've already said all of these, but just to kind of summarize it down, when we're faced with that, should I pivot? Should I stay the course? These are five tips to kind of look at. And number one is actually know your team's strengths and how they contribute to any decision making so that you know who to go to in that situation. And and number two, as I stated already, think your process through before you start. What is your goal and how are you going to get there? Number three Look at the process in the middle. You know, if you're at that point, like Tom said, you know, look at it before you even start because you maybe you shouldn't even start the project. That's going to save you a lot of time and money. But then if you are in a project and you're looking at that process in the middle, if trying to decide whether to pivot or not, make sure you involve your team in the decision making 
process. Should we stay? Should we go? What are you seeing? Ask the question. What are they seeing that you're missing? So, so that, that is actually our closing points three and four is look at the process in the middle. If you're trying to decide whether you should pivot and involve your team in all of this. But the most important is point number five, trust your team. They will make the right decision if you give them the opportunity to make a decision. Trust your team. There is no thing bigger than creating a thriving business than having your employees, your team know that their opinion matters and that they are trusted to do the right thing. So thank you, as always, to listening to the Navigating Your Leadership podcast and our talents on tap. We have a lot of fun having these discussions with each other, but we would love to know, what are your thoughts on all of this? Right. Are we full of crap? (laughs) How can you contribute (laughs) to the conversation? So head over to uh, the NavigatingYourLeadership.com website and put your comments in there or leave us a voice message and let us know what are your thoughts on all of this? How do you decide when to pivot, when to stay the course? Do you have trust in your team or do you need support on that? Absolutely. And I would just close with simply this. If you're in Troy, New York uh, (laughs) and you miss Brown's uh, Brown's Brewery, shame on you. <laughs> yeah, go check it out if you're in the anywhere food, in the you know, within a couple of hours. It definitely is one of our favorites, especially in the summertime. You can sit on the patio. You get a great view of the Hudson River. The great food, great beer, great atmosphere. So, all right, my friends, enjoy this day, and remember, life is short, so go out and enjoy the journey. My hope and prayer is that today's episode left you feeling inspired and empowered with some tangible steps to implement today. But honestly, the podcast is just the beginning. Through my coaching, my clients learn how to lean into their strengths to create their unique style of leadership, along with gaining strategies to create dynamic and productive teams, teams with a mutual passion and respect for each other. Whether you just need a few small course corrections or you feel like you need an entirely new ship to lead, I do love a challenge. I'd love to invite you to send me a DM Or better yet, let's hop on a call and see how we can continue this leadership journey together. The link to book a call is in the show notes. I look forward to hearing from you.